Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Update. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. Your daily dose of Premier League news, Premier League gossip and Premier League opinion. I'm Jim Salverson and Liverpool are 22 points clear at the top of the table. To deny that the title is all wrapped up again, we've got Steve McNaughton in the Sports Social Studio this morning. Good morning. We're saying it yet, Steve? It's done. It's done. Excellent. And alongside him, we've got Marley Anderson. Hey, Marley. Hello. As it's Monday, we're going to kick off with a little bit of praising and moaning in equal proportions. We're going to be nominating our heroes and villains from across the weekend. And also, what do you think about a potential fixture cap in football? Putting a limit on the number of players that can play in a single season. Vinny Company thinks it's a great idea, so we'll get the opinions of the boys very mm. shortly. But first, how about a Monday review? A little Monday review, boys. Okay. Love a good Monday review. Okay. Well, as long as it's a good one. Do you know what? It's, it's going to be two reviews today. Oh. Uh, if you want to get involved and leave us a review, say something nice or nasty about the podcast, you can do so via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Castbox or however you listen to your podcasts. Just leave your review there, preferably five star, and we'll read out the best and worst on the podcast first. Spurs in Wisconsin has left a review. Oh, I, I reckon he's from America. He's never going to listen again after that terrible uh, impression you My just did. My perfect accent. He says, great guys who are knowledgeable, informed and sometimes full of it. Yes, perfect description. First thing I listen to every morning. So good morning, Spurs in Wisconsin. And also MF Merckx, who is listening in Canada, says, great show. Listen over here in Canada. Would love to have more females on the show to share their expertise. Which I 100% agree with. Yeah, definitely. We struggle to get the ladies involved. And we've got one at the moment, Peen, who occasionally comes on the weekend shows. So if you are of the female persuasion and you're in Manchester and you want to come to the studio or you're a podcaster and want to join us on Skype, then you can get in contact via our social media at The Sports Social and get involved. Get your views shared on the show. But as we haven't got that right now, Marley, if you could do the rest of today's show in a really high-pitched voice, <laughs> that would really help us out. Uh, well, if your accent's anything to go by, your, your impression of someone from Wisconsin, I don't think it can get much worse. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's kick off with Heroes and Villains. It's a Monday. We're going to look back at the weekend and pick who deserves a halo and who deserves a little pair of red 
pointy horns. We're going to start with the heroes and we'll take a little break and we'll come back and do the villains, which is the really fun bit. And I'm going to start off with my hero, who is probably a villain to a lot of people, Jose Mourinho. Mm. <laughs> Not because he masterminded a win over Man City at the weekend, because he didn't. He just got really, really lucky because City battered Spurs <laughs> for 90 minutes and still didn't score for some reason. I'm not sure if City are ever going to score a goal again in the Premier League. What I love about Jose Mourinho is how much he enjoys football yeah, and he yeah. enjoys being in football management and we forgot this a little bit when he was at Manchester United because he just got a little bit grumpy there but he seems to have the old Jose Mourinho back and football is a better place with Jose Mourinho Agreed. in yeah. this game. Agreed. Yeah, yeah definitely. Bit from the Spurs City game that really summed it up for me how much I love Jose Mourinho in football was when Gundogan missed the penalty or the penalty was saved I should say mm. and then Raheem Sterling came in for the Rebound. Rebound and pretty much dived and yeah. tried to win a second penalty. And Mourinho's reaction on the bench flipped in a second. In one moment, he was full of joy and happiness that the penalty had been saved. And then he suddenly remembered, well, his assistant reminded him that Sterling was on a yellow card <laughs> <laughs> and could potentially get sent yeah. off here. And he was up and he was shouting and he was straight in the fourth official's face. And I really enjoyed that part of football. So yeah. Jose Mourinho... 100% my hero. That was brilliant. The way, the way he, he somehow managed to get into a full sprint over the course of five <laughs> yards. Like his arms were properly going and then he just stopped. So when he got like, into full speed, he just then stopped because he, he'd arrived at his destination. Yeah. And the fourth official just like backed away like, oh no, I'm going to get a pell- pellets here from him. But as you say, the Premier League is a better place with him in it. Whether you rate his, you think his powers are on the wane or he's past his best or whatever... It got to a point when he was out of work where he was in the studio and he was analysing games and everyone kind of thought, oh, we kind of miss him now because it's, mm. it's good with him in it. And then he took the Spurs job and now the entertainment's sort of back because he was box office. Like when they did the VAR thing as well, he had that little smirk on his face. He slumped in his seat with that little uh, that sort of wry smile with his hand on his chin, like as if to say well, VAR's crap, but here we are. This is how it works, so... I think it's, it's good a, to see him back, though. I think it says a lot about his, the expectations for him that are being put on him at Tottenham as well, that he is still enjoying it, because it turned pretty sour pretty quickly at Manchester United. He was mm. a very different figure. And things aren't going 100% to plan at Spurs at the moment. You wouldn't go... I mean, there, there, there have been improvements in terms of points from when Mauricio Pochettino left. But at the same time, it's not maybe going as many people expected. There hasn't been this massive turnaround. But you get the feeling that he will be given time and he will be mm-hmm. given the summer to rebuild. Yeah. Because yeah. he doesn't seem to be under the same kind of pressure that he was at Manchester United, which you would suggest would be the relationship he had with Ed Woodward compared to mm. the relationship he has with Daniel Levy. Yeah, he's, he's, it seems like he's got a, a new lease of life and he's enjoying himself, mm. really. I mean, yesterday when he did, you know, did, I mean, when I seen it, I, was, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Like you... It's he's a crafty veteran, isn't he? You know, mm-hmm. he knows the ins and outs and the little nooks and crannies. He knows how to get under the officials and stuff like that. And I think the comedy aspect to yesterday and that that sketch, it was almost very faulty towers, wasn't it? You know, where it's like <laughs> yeah. the pennies dropped and it's like, oh Christ, I need to you know to do this. And <laughs> I, I, you know, really like. I nearly said love then. Uh, I really like Jose when he's being like that. And yeah. he's a manager whose back isn't against the wall at the minute because there's there's not a lot of expectation there at Tottenham this season. I think you know if they can get into top four, they'll take that. And um, and he seems to have that freedom about him. And I think they've made a couple of decent signings. I agree. I don't think the turnaround has been as quick as what Spurs fans would like. But I think there's a gradual 
turn of the ship going on there and I think you know uh, Bergvin looks at looks a decent signing took his goal really well what yesterday a what a finish you know we can't, I don't think Such he knew good quite a lot about it when it happened but yeah. you know it was like it's one of them where that that was something that you know makes you jump out your chair that wasn't it when, yeah. when it happened and I think you know, Son's always in and about the goals, isn't he? And I think, you know, real smash and grab yesterday because yeah. City, you know, for me, dominated it. Although having ragged discipline, I think. Uh, I think, mm. you know, Sterling was looking to be on the pitch. And um, yeah, you know, onwards and upwards. No one likes playing Jose Mourinho teams and it's always kind of a difficult game. And uh, there's a bit of needle to it. And, and like Marley says, he's box office. You want to watch him, you know, you want to yeah. watch it. You want to yeah. watch him melt down. You, you love to hate him or you... You love him at your club. It's it's one of them. You can't ignore him. He's mm. just he's there. He's either working wonders as as the manager, or he's uh, he's just doing these little little things, isn't he? Little yeah. uh, little moments like meme worthy moments. Mm. I think anyone's going to struggle at United, aren't they, with the current setup? You know, we we talked yeah. about it a lot. You know, in previous episodes of the podcast, and I think. You know, he was kind of almost stifled a little bit there. And I think when he did go, we actually said, actually, you know, he's probably has achieved there with the parameters that he had to work in. You know, yeah. and, and, well, and he said it was, he all, said yeah. it was his proudest all, dream. Yeah, we all laughed when he said that the best thing he's ever done is, well, one of the best things he's ever done is finish second with that team. And look at that. That, that team's even like, this, it's the same team and yeah, they're ridiculous. way off. So. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. right. We're going to come back and talk about Spurs City in a little bit under Villains, I believe. So we'll leave that there for now. I do like the Faulty Towers analogy, though, because obviously Pep, he's from Barcelona. Yeah. So it all kind of works. Right, Marley, your hero for today. I thought you were going to do another accent. <laughs> that was an accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's how bad it was. Please. My hero is... Uh, who's it go for? Oh, Eddie Howe. Basically, he's just he seems to have turned it round out of nowhere. Has um, he turned it round yet? <laughs> I was going to say that's quite. Yeah. <laughs> two wins in two games is that a turnaround? Yeah, mini the, turnaround. All yeah, right. well, it's bit you know is is starting to. Basically, it looked like how were they ever going to get a win from anywhere? They were mm. losing games mm. easily. They were not. There's no backbone or anything in. And there's no goals. They were conceding too many, and then all of a sudden they've won the last two. Um, one at the weekend, uh, in a big game, and it's. It's hard to lose, you know, to be on such a bad run, and then for the same managers to turn it around. It almost inevitably always ends in a sacking. And you were thinking that you were looking at Bournemouth, and we we mentioned it on the podcast. Should he be under pressure? Yeah, he should be under pressure. But who else was gonna turn it round for them? Like who mm. was gonna? There's no big foreign manager gonna come and take over little old Bournemouth because with respect to Bournemouth, they've probably just never heard of them. So do we need to give the board some credit then here? For sticking with Eddie Howe, because in a way he yeah. has become unsackable yeah, way, because yeah. of what he's achieved. Yeah. But the same way it would have been very easy for the board to get rid of him and got Sam Allardyce <laughs> in on yep. the payroll. Yeah, because you know, as long as Allardyce is there, he's like a what do you call it? Um, the Grim Reaper, just like <laughs> lurking in the background, just waiting for someone to lose the job. Grim Reaper of attractive football. <laughs> yeah, Sam Allardyce all he to Bournemouth though. Yeah, he would. No, I don't, he'd take I don't anything. To, I don't think that's a good fit, though. But I know no, no, it's a terrible fit. But I think with Bournemouth, and I think it's it's a good shout actually because you know they, they looked in serious dire straits at one yeah, point, and you know suddenly they've climbed away from it. And I'm looking, you know, anyone from from Arsenal downwards could could get, go down, couldn't he? Really? Yeah. And everyone, um, anyone could get sucked into that. And the, you know, he's a good fit for them. You know, uh, the but. The defibrillator has been put on things over her, hasn't it? And, and and to get two games and up to twenty six points is 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 pretty decent. But Bournemouth, if they if they if they can kind of collect, you know, I don't know another 
14 points. I think that'd be enough for them. It's normally about 32, 33, isn't yeah. it? Points to stay up. I mean, they don't. Well, oh, that's a bit low, isn't it? Isn't it? About 38 more I think, than that, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, well, 40 points is the safety, but I think you can well, West Ham have gone down, down with 40 before. That's what I mean. Season we so got relegated. I don't can... know. Where, I don't know whether because it's tight that means it'll be less points than normal or Maybe. more points than normal. Yeah, I, know, I see where, Which you're way does it from. Go? Yeah. I, I don't know. It all depends, doesn't it? Because this season's bloody weird. So, uh, what what are they on now? They're on twenty six now. Thirteen games to go. I'd say you need at least thirty six. At least thirty six this season, mm. says Marley. I mean, it has been Brighton and Villa are the two teams that Bournemouth have beaten in their little mini revival. Mm. So it's hardly the cream of the league but at the same time it's, it's what you've got to do the you old cliche, cliche, yeah. Yeah. you cliche, beat the teams yeah. around you yeah. and next they've got Sheffield United and Burnley well, which you'd go. imagine they potentially could get points at Burnley mm. yeah where's, it, where's that at don't do know, know. <laughs> don't know Marley <laughs> don't know don't yeah. know uh, Burnley exactly you've got to look at Burnley and say we can we can potentially beat them like Burnley aren't a great team but they'll they'll do that one thing they always do and hoof it to the big lads and hope for the best. It's at so Burnley. It's at Burnley. It's at Burnley. That's, that's tough. Slightly more tricky than it might have yeah. otherwise been. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get points at the bottom of the table, you've got to look at teams like Burnley and say we're gonna we're gonna have a good. Then mm. we're gonna we're gonna try and beat them. Even Sheffield United, like they're still like not sort of one of the top four who you think they're definitely going to beat us. It's not a team you go to and batten down the hatches, is it? It's not not a damage limitation style 100%. (laughs) Right, let's get Steve's hero then. Marley's gone for Eddie Howe. Steve's gone for... Oh, do you know what? I had one down and and so much just come into my head when we were talking about Burnley. And uh, I'll I'll, I'll rattle... You know what I'm going to say? I'll rattle through both of them. Uh, So the first one is is Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Because uh, this guy is like, the, the, the nonsense he peddles to the media and the fact that he goes out on camera or or when they're recording him after the, after the matches and says the stuff that he says guy's got balls of steel <laughs> <laughs> I know he's got a massive pair of plums on him <laughs> because he's been talking about it the game against Wolves at the weekend now I think you know drawing 0-0 against Wolves isn't the worst result in the world because no. they no, are no. a good side you know and we've given plenty of praise on this podcast and the job that they're all doing. Um, but he comes out and kind of says like, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the groundsman have moved the goalposts. <laughs> you know, maybe he's moved them two inches along or something like that because, you know, I don't understand how we've not scored. <laughs> you know, we've not scored. And it's like, Ollie, honest to God, mate, I can't not like you anymore. You know what I mean? Because of the, the absolute, oh, Nonsense! I'm trying not to not swear because I get beat out quite a lot on this podcast. It is. He does seem to use a lot of deflection tactics yeah. in his post-match interviews, and seems to just say the wrong thing all the time. There was that statement he made after the Wolves game, which clearly was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Exactly. But then he also says, "I'm not sure how many teams have uh, failed to break." Wolves down. There's another is that point. Right? That was good. That was, a, that was good. It's all right. That, that was, was really right. good. So like he. So hang on. When you leave us a review, tell us if that was good or not. Because I'm, I'm not I so sure about really that. Really good. So he said he doesn't want to break. Like, yeah. Teams can't break wolves down. The other the other day he said Man City had showed respect by playing a. It's like he's just saying ridiculous things time yeah. and time again. He's just like, bantering everyone, isn't he? But I don't know why mm. he's doing it. That's mm. the thing. He seems completely unable to tear his team a new one in public. And I don't know whether it's just he is completely spineless mm. when it comes to giving these post-match interviews. He's unable to tell people they played badly or whether he's doing that thing that he's clearly trying to mimic Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. And Fergie would very, very rarely 
call his team out in public. Mm. Hairdryer yeah, treatment yeah. in the dressing room, yeah, yeah, but you didn't see many post-match yeah. interviews where he'd completely slag his team off. Oh. That said... He didn't give many post-match uh, interviews. Exactly. So he didn't have that much opportunity to do that. Exactly. He so, just seems to be handling it badly. Yeah, he does. Uh, so someone get him on a, a PR and media course ASAP. Um, but my second one is is from a, a clip that's been doing the rounds on the internet for Sean Dyche being the manager we all want the managers to be. <laughs> so there's some footage that's emerged of him and he's been talking to uh, one of his players and I'm assuming it's Chris Wood, it's is Chris it? Chris Wood, yeah. And uh, he's going... And I'm not going to say the swear word, so don't worry, lads. You know what I mean? So you don't need to be up there. He's like, Chris, Chris, effing hell. Chris, don't be an effing D-head. Chris. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's Sean Dice, you know, with his kind of gravelly voice and his skinhead and his, and his goatee yeah. beard. And it's just like, oh, round of applause for you being the manager that we all want to see on the side of the touchline. And I, and just, proper know, football man. Proper yeah. football man. And I, and, and I, I love stuff like that because I think, you know, we're, we're in a day and age where the cameras are every, you know, part of the place, aren't they? And they're capturing every move. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I don't care. Chris yeah. is being an effing D head. <laughs> he doesn't even need to be near a microphone with his voice, does he? He's so, he's so loud. On a quiet day, you can hear him from Manchester, from Burnley, when Burnley are at home. Yeah. If, everyone, if everyone just goes, hang on, it's three o'clock, uh, Sean Dyche is about to shout, and he's like, <laughs> Jay, get back! Yeah. Like that. And it's, <laughs> Chris, stop being... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right, there are your well, heroes yeah. from the weekend's football. We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to do the fun bit. We're going to talk about villains and get quite angry about everything that happened in the Premier League over the weekend. We'll do that in a minute on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're in the middle of doing our heroes and villains from across the weekend. We're going to do our villains next, and I'm going to start with this one as well because oh, here we go. My villain, <gasps> deep breath, is David Bloomin Moyes, who is going to come surprise, to the end of this surprise. season, and he is going to regret so much saying in his opening press conference that he winning was what he did because mm. so far he has won one game since he took over. How many games in now is he? Is six, five or six? Five or six. Yeah. I mean, it should have been two games after the weekend because you cannot give up a two-goal lead when you're playing at home to a team in and about you. And he did it twice at the weekend. And he said after the <clears> game <throat> that he was angry and disappointed at his players, but I don't think there's much further than you can look than David Moyes for that result because he clearly sent Masuaku onto the pitch with the instructions to lose the game as quickly as possible. <laughs> and those instructions were carried out perfectly. So well done to Masuaku and David Moyes who contributed together for that. But to West Ham are in real trouble. But, yeah. So, yeah, Masuaku, I know he was bad, but that second goal, Brighton's second goal, for uh, I think it was Gross that mm. put it in, the two centre-backs... It was like a, it was a comedy of errors. It was like watching Dumb and Dumber trying to clear a ball. Like Ogbonna had charge of the situation, just go and hoof it. Yeah. If you kick it far enough, it might hit your first row of fans that are about five hundred meters behind the goal, wherever they are. So just go and boot it, and then he leaves it, and Diop goes, "Gully, you coming?" And Gully's like twenty yards back, like he's way. He's not. Yeah, he he's, no not he's not coming he for the no ball chance. at all, and he doesn't need to. It wasn't his fault. Fab, is it Fabianski in goal at the weekend? Yeah. He's screaming at, or was it Randolph? Was it, it was Fab- Fabianski? Was he back? All oh, right, okay. So Fabianski's screaming at Diop. Somebody boot it, and then Diop try, <laughs> tries to head it when it's like three foot off the ground. Can't get any power into it, and Gross goes, "Yeah, thank you very much." And it just trickles in, and it was the way it went in just summed up West Ham this season. Mm. The fact that mm. it just rolled and rolled, and really slowly, 
And everyone just like looked at it like, oh no, is that going in the corner? And obviously it clearly was, and it just ruled like just it was just it was one of those symbiotic of of West Ham season. You just needed a bit of Sunday League, if in doubt, kick it out style yeah. football, and they failed to do it. But or the Benny Hill music. It needs the Benny Hill music. <laughs> yeah. it, it was it was self destruct at the weekend. The first goal was an own goal, which although there was a foul on Fabianski that I think was missed, it was punched into the back of Obama's head and went in the goal, which <clears> is comical. The second goal was comical. The third goal, fair enough. I mean, by that stage, yeah. Brighton probably deserved it. But I think what you got to do is, I mean. Was that Murray's handball? It wasn't Potential handball. handball. I don't think it was handball like, yeah. actually, which I wish it was. But yeah, I think that was that was the final yeah. goal. Yeah. But the the substitution for Matuaka was the turning point in the game. And Who, until did... that point, he replaced Antonio, and ah. Antonio coming on, or Antonio being back fit, and Suchek as well playing his debut in midfield, both added what West Ham have been lacking this season, and a bit of legs and a bit of running, physicality. And it was it's the whole attack to defend kind of philosophy mm. Antonio had been the outlet for the whole game so to take him off and replace him with a defender who isn't very good at defending was tactical suicide and that's why I think as a result you have to put the fault of the results not to the players and the individual mistakes but at the feet of David Moyes mm-hmm. who's now got an almighty job on his hand and games against Liverpool and City next next to actually try and get something. We need to get something out of that game and I can't see it happening. Wow. So there you go. My villain, David Moyes. <clears throat> Let's move on before I start crying. Marley, who is your villain for this week? I'm just looking at West Ham, so you've got them two no, next. No, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Jim's moving on. And Jim you're already 18th. Yeah, we're in trouble. Jesus. Um, my villain is an, a guy who uh, I, I like as a player and I like as a, as a person. Um, but it's Alexander Zinchenko from mm. uh, obviously the the City game at the weekend. It was the incident again when the penalty was missed by Gundogan and Sterling went down, and then there was that like pushing and shoving where you know Larice was accusing Sterling of diving, and then everyone sort of got involved. Um, but Zinchenko was running from like forty yards away to, to get involved, to, just to just to have a bit of a what are you going to do? You're not going to run in and lamp someone. You're not going to punch them. You're just going to go, give someone a little shove and get booked. It's mm-hmm. all you're ever going to do. You've had a good 30 yards to run to calm down and he just hasn't got it and he's just hot-headed and he's gone and he's pushed, you know, he's got, tried to get involved with everyone, like bouncing around, being being sort of like pushed away by the Spurs players who were trying to sort of calm the situation down, but he's just trying to have a fight and it's like, why? what are you doing? You're just going to hinder your team and then obviously he gets booked. And then five minutes later, or what, uh, fifteen minutes later, after half time, he he picks up the second booking. Three minutes later, Spurs go one 0 up, and the game's gone. Mm. So and you, City, would, City would not have lost that if they hadn't been I down to ten men. Exactly, because they were all over Spurs until that point. Yeah, and it's like you need to, you just need to calm down in that situation. Everyone's already sort of having the the little tussle by the time you get there. So just calm down, just. You know, don't get involved. You've gone and picked up a booking. You've then been. I understand his his foul on Winks. You kind of have to do that, but you can't do it on a yellow card. No. Just just let him go. Well, that's City's tactics as well. And if you're a defender playing for Manchester City or even a centre midfielder, you know at some point probably according to the way the team sets out, you will have to tactical foul. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what that is, that foul on Winks. It was a shoulder barge and it was a tactical foul. It was mm. taking the player out to stop the attack. Yeah. So if you are a Manchester City player whose job it is to tactical foul, and we know they do it, there's yeah. no argument about them doing it, then you can't pick up silly yellow cards because you're always at risk of getting a yellow card at another point in the game. Exactly, yeah. So if the time comes, you have to, you've been told to 
just take him out. So you can't exactly exactly like you say you can't do stupid stuff and then have to do tactical stuff on top of that because you haven't got the leeway to do it. Now they haven't got a left back for the next uh, for the next game. Mendy's obviously sometimes fit, sometimes not. Uh, Angelino's gone alone. Mm. Um, there you go, left back problem all over again. Mm. Laporte's Laporte's injured as well, so Should've he, spent he might have five million pound in the window on another one. There you <laughs> go. There you go. So Zinchenko is Marley's villain. We'll move straight on to Steve's villain because <clears throat> it's of a similar ilk. Steve? Yes, it is. And, um, you know, I had someone in mind and obviously there's someone that I could have brought into it as well. You know, I was going to kind of put Statman Gaz under the uh, <laughs> the wheels of the bus like <laughs> I mean, for that video that's doing the rounds. On 606, if you've not seen it, BBC 606, there was a brilliant caller into... Robbie uh, Savage yeah, and, Robbie and Sa- Emma, jo- Emma Jones. Emma Jones, yeah. Yeah, a very deluded Manchester City fans. You can go and check that out if you've oh, not heard that already. Is, uh, okay, but fine. my feeling of the week uh, is, is Pep Guardiola. And I think that... And and the reason for that, that I'm doing it is because obviously uh, you know we've we've had some good fun and mileage out of the title race this season so far on the podcast and today's the day where I've said actually 22 points it's done yeah you know it's five or six games for Liverpool and they could you know win the um, uh, league against Crystal Palace at home uh, yeah. in March or Everton away in March and um, if you win every game between now and then the guard of honour will be at Manchester City won't it. Uh, no, it'll be before that. Oh, will it? Yeah, we've, okay. I think the way that the Would teams it? are playing, the, the way the teams are picking up points, we can do it in six games. Wow. Yeah, um, but the seventh game is Man City. So the first guard, oh, of, right, the first guard right, of honour yeah, would be enough. at the Etihad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine that, you know, winning at yeah. Goodison and then the yeah. guard of honour at the Etihad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Pep Guardiola. So, yeah, so he comes out and, you, you know, there's no team that's going to win the league in this country season after season after season. It just football doesn't work like that. You know, sometimes you cyclical, you, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. And you will get teams come and, and they'll challenge you and they'll run you ragged like they did. There was a point in it in the end, went down to the last day, uh, last game of the season last year. And, you know, sometimes a team will step up and, and, and you know, they, they'll, they'll do it and they'll, and they'll run away with it. And Liverpool have been relentless. And what Pep can't do is he just can't go out and say this year, We've not been at our best. You know, we've lost six games so far. Um, Laporte's been a miss for us, but we should have been able to cope with his with his absence because of the squad that we've got. The fact that you know Watamendi and Stones combined cost more than Van Dijk and Gomez. Uh, you know, they should have been able to, to to manage the situation. But what he won't do is he won't come out and go. You know what? Fair play to Liverpool, Jurgen, and all these players because they have been relentless. They've and and you know, give him a bit of credit for what they've achieved. He's come out and kind of said that. Uh, in the past, he said, like, you know, VAR was invented for se- teams to get closer to Man City, and that, which is just ludicrous. Has but he said that? He's, uh, yeah, he's, 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 the one that he said in his conference yesterday is that the Premier League should be concerned that the gap is so big because it's, it's not good for things. Let me read the entire quote just for context here. So he said, Liverpool are far away. Liverpool are far away. They are unstoppable and a lot of points clear. The last two seasons, it was the guy, the owner of the Premier League, who said... That can't happen again, and it isn't good for the Premier League when City win the title in that way. So now it's Liverpool. You have to be concerned about the owner of the Premier League. So obviously that's in his broken English. Essentially, yeah. he's saying Scudamore has had a pop at the league before when City have run away with it, going it was too easy for City to win, and he's saying the same criticism should be levelled at Liverpool. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying that, yeah. But also, he's like. You can't say that when li- the league isn't over yet. Like Scudamore said that, and he—he he, it was a bad thing to say, but he kind of had a point. Mm. Um, he, he said that after City had won two leagues and they were 
walking away, getting yeah. 100 points. Uh, was it last season they got 100 points? No, um, they got 98 last 98, season. 98. 100 so, the season before. So they were on the way to getting the 98 points. So it was the third year of City just dominating everyone. So now, it, you can't say it now because, yes, Liverpool are dominating this season, but you can't say that until next season when they're walking away with it again or the yeah. season after. Yeah, it's just. I just think he's being a bit foolish and I think he's just coming out and kind of saying... The wrong thing where he should have be said, you know, we've got a lot to think about in summer. We've got, you know, some some changes to our plans we need to make, and we need to make sure that we're competitive next year. I don't buy kind of coming out and and, and blaming other factors and other people and stuff like that. I think it's poor from him. You know, everyone's got a mate who just sounds a little bit sarcastic, yeah, and you can't take anything they say seriously. I wonder if Pep's yeah. got an element of that because he says the right things about Liverpool. He says, "Oh, they're a superb team. They're phenomenal. They're <laughs> points clear." But it never sounds quite. It always Genuine. sounds a little bit disingenuous, doesn't yeah, it? it? Does, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you know, obviously. From his point of view, I think he's majorly missing Arteta next to him, isn't he? You know, at the minute, and Maybe, yeah. um, you know, and I just think he, his vibe and his body language is is, is unbefitting of a, of a team that are currently champions. I think he's just got to kind of come out and say, "Listen, this is the way it is," and and we move on. Is Pep embarrassed? Is his comments at the moment and his kind of like this criticism of the Premier League not pulling Liverpool up on winning the title? Is it an element of embarrassment there? Because if you're Pep Guardiola. No one in the Premier League has had the conditions that he's had as a football manager. I'm not just talking about the investment he's had financially in terms of the players he's brought in. I'm talking about the situation at the club that we've talked about a lot before, the kind of conditions he's gone into, the training facilities that have been built for him, the ideal scenario. And if you look at it from the outside, I won't say I won't say Pep Guardiola's failed in what he's done at Manchester City because I think that's a little bit far-fetched even if he doesn't win the Champions League I don't think he's failed I think he's met minimum expectations Mm -hmm. I think I love what Pep Guardiola has done for football in this country I think he's changed the way teams in the Premier League play and he created some phenomenal Manchester City teams but you kind of would have expected that with what has been put into him and the football club wouldn't you? I think so I think it's a fair comment to make I think you know, United, United uh, did love that, wouldn't they? Uh, City fans <laughs> have have enjoyed a wonderful era. You know, under Pep Guardiola, where they've achieved lots of great things. They broke all records, spent a hell of a lot of money. You know, on 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 various um, incarnations of the team. But I think he was brought in to win the Champions League for them, and I think win the big prize. You know, which is that, and that's the one that's eluded him so far. And and they may well do it this season, who knows? I think that's what they've got to put all their eggs in that basket now, haven't they, and try and pick yeah. that up. Because I think ultimately they probably will look at it and go, we enjoyed it, but we did expect more for the level of investment and the facilities we built and the plan we put in place. Mm. Um, and we've not quite hit what we wanted to hit. So it, it's funny with Pep because you look at what he did with the, the youth at Barcelona and what he achieved at Barcelona when he took over that team from Rijkaard. It's you're like wow, but at Man City, it's, when there's been a problem, it just seems to be money through with it to try mm. and fix it. Um, and I mean, you know, it's, it's the, difficult to imagine what will come next now, isn't it? Yeah, when Pep does leave, whether it's the end of this season or whether it's in two seasons' time, it's difficult to see where City go from there. Yeah, <laughs> insight. I know. Well, it is yeah. because, it, because it's a, it's a such well, a tricky question. Because yeah. that's the thing. Like, then they're never gonna they're never gonna sack him. Because he'll, he'll walk away. It is mate at the it's Soriano and um, what's the other guy? Begaristain, yeah. They're they're never going to sack him. Pep doesn't get sacked. He walk. He he does the one year rolling contract or short term contract, and he makes his own decisions at yeah. the end of the season. 
So if he did decide to walk away, first and foremost, if he walked away this summer, I think his reputation would get even even more tarnished because he's walked away from a genuine challenge in Liverpool. Like, that's a challenge. Yeah. Overturn that's Liverpool, that's your next challenge. Don't walk is. away from that because you'll, you'll, get, you'll get hammered. Like, the one time anyone can stand up to him, he walks away. You can't, you can't do that. You've got to give it another, at least another season until you actually beat them. And then you can say, right, I've done four or five years in England now. I'm going to go and try it's it in Italy. Kind of, it's kind of what Fergie did at United, wasn't it? He kept on hanging on, hanging on. He wanted that last big win. Yeah, yeah. Wanted, he wanted to get him back at the top of the tree, yeah. didn't he, in terms of trophies, and he did yeah, that. And he did that. And obviously, you know, since he's been retired in 2013, we've we've overtook that because it's impossible for him not to do it. Yeah. But yeah. I just think it, it's a it's a major question. Pep, I think, has done, what, four seasons maximum at clubs, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, he didn't do that at Bayern. I think he did three seasons at Bayern, didn't he? And then and so. four at Bar- Barcelona. I might be wrong here. I'm sure people will let us know if we're wrong. Um, so, uh, you know... They we, usually do. They usually do. <laughs> and um, it's, it's a real conundrum for him personally... Yeah. And, and for his development as a coach and, 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 you know, what he does next in the game. And I think for Man City, it leaves a, a colossal question and, mm. you know, it changes the approach because if you get someone who's in who's really pragmatic, you know, if you, like, I'm not saying they will get Jose Mourinho, but if you've got a manager of the same milk who just wants to win football matches at whatever By cost, any means, yeah. By any means. And if it means yeah. him playing negative football and getting one nils every week. Or, or you know, drawing a lot of games. I mean, what what did you do? Because the whole blueprint is is ripped up and started again, isn't it? Mm. And I think that, that you know, Man City will will need to get the house in order in that sooner rather than later if them discussions aren't happening now. And um, it is a real. I, I mean, I certainly haven't got the answers on who comes in after him at Man City. To be to be fair, I don't think the the problems at City can't be solved in one summer. Mm. Like, look at where a City poor. Defense centre back, go and solve it. But it does cost money, like so. Centre back and left back, yes. Yeah, so, you're kind of done. Exactly. So the answer is you also need to replace your striker. Yeah. Obviously, Aguero yeah, is, but he's got next season up. in him yeah. easily. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, people say, you know, he only solves things with money. It's like, well, yeah, but money solves problems in football. So <laughs> like Liverpool had a bad defense. He went and spent seventy five million on Van Dijk, and now they're amazing. Mm. So, but the, there the, you go. The flip side of that is, is that we didn't spend any money in summer. I know because Stop you because you spent Liverpool's it in January. Spending strategy. So uh, well, spend, I'm just saying it. it's a fair argument, though, isn't it? You yeah. Know, yeah, because yeah. you know we we've kind of got uh, to a team where we thought actually we're quite happy with the squad and first eleven we've got. We don't need to, even mm. though the money's there at Liverpool because they, yeah. they're not as rich as Man City, but there's money there if you want to sign players. It's just yeah. going actually, I'm not going to do it because I think I can achieve with what I've got. Yeah, but like, so let's say they do this summer and they go and sign a, a, a top centre back like Koulibaly or Skriniar or someone, mm. and they go and sign a left back. When they get to next January, they won't they won't need anyone because they've got the full squad. They've already got the depth in the squad, except in defence. But there will be departures though in summer from there. Well, not yeah, but not many. Not like Fernandinho's getting old, but he's already been replaced by Rodri. Mm. Who else is going to leave? Aguero's got another season in him. Extension as well as if, exactly. Yeah. You know, if Aguero goes, he won't go this this summer. He may, he may no chance. No chance. You know, but you know, I mean, I'm obviously I'm speaking hypothetically, and I'm just playing devil's advocate for the for the yeah. sake of the podcast. But say, for example, Aguero did go. Actually, I want to head back to Argentina and finish my career independiente. Well, I've been offered a contract uh, for the MLS. Apparently, he's been. Or he uh, might fancy going to Beckham's David Beckham's team up, yeah. in uh, Inter Milan, uh, Inter Miami. Um, you know, I, I mean, how much is it going to cost to replace Aguero? Well, they've got Jesus. That's that's the whole point of. Jesus isn't going to replace Aguero, though. But that's that's why they signed him. 
That's why they signed him. Staggered if he went with that stat strategy. He's still got some development in him, hasn't he? But there's no reason why he can't step up to the mark at some point. Uh, We're going to leave it there. That is our heroes and villains for the week because I want to fit in one more story and it comes from Vinnie Company, this one. Well done, everyone, for not mentioning VAR as a villain this week. I think it's the first week we've actually managed to do that. Um, we'll not... hold on. <laughs> We're just all sick of it yeah. now. And as we're not talking about VAR, we have to talk about the one other thing that's constantly mentioned across football at the moment, and that is fixture congestion, because Vinnie Company has waded in on this debate. He's demanded a cap on the number of games that professional footballers can play in a season. Now, this comes in with a bit of a caveat. He's not talking about capping the <clears> amount of games that players are currently playing he's looking into the future and imagining that the amount of games is only going to increase which you can easily see happening now Vinny company has an official role here as well he is part of the fifa pro global player council which is essentially the global union for footballers but what do we think of the idea of a player cap on play on the amount of games individuals can play in a season would that potentially be a way to manage this fixture congestion idea. Oh, the managers just rotate the team because <laughs> yeah. they've got like 25-man squads. Yeah. You know, and it's all about not playing your strongest 11, every, we, we, you know, week in, week out, three games in a week. But and that, stuff that's like that. an option that's on the table now. It is, yeah. So, but, that, but adding a player cap would force managers to then do that a little bit more. Oh, just like I've said before, you know, don't have the Champions League teams going to Carabao Cup in this country. I think we're the only country that has three cup competitions. Exactly. Uh, two, well, two and league. So we go so. in the FA Cup at the third round, as we do as Premier League teams, but just don't have the Champions League in that. And obviously, you know, manage, managers are within the rights to rotate as as and when they see fit. And I think that putting a... Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to it if a bit, a bit more context on it, but I just think that managers can do that already if they want. They can, but there's no, they don't, don't have there's to. There's no obligation to. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this in terms of the way rugby works at the moment, because obviously the Six Nations is on at the moment, yeah. and they don't suspend. What's that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird shaped ball. It's a bit like football, but it's rubbish. Okay. Uh, it's like, but uh, the Six Nations is on, but they don't suspend domestic competition while the Six Nations is on. Or they might have this year. I don't know, but they don't no, always... No, yeah, you, you just have to play without the yeah, internationals, which exactly. is kind of weird. Which would be a really interesting way to do it if you mm-hmm. did the same in football. Although I suppose yeah, the challenge then is everyone is an international. Premier League teams, time. most of them are internationals, aren't they? So yeah, they couldn't yeah, really Apart work. from Burnley, we've got a, a lot of lads out the air, lot. <laughs> so I suppose what we're saying is it's just up to... If there is a problem with fixture congestion, mm, if, which there is. if managers are going to moan about it mm. and complain about it, and there's a really interesting stat that was in this report which Vinnie Company contributed to was that Sadio Mane played 70 matches for club and country and travelled 100,000 kilometres between May 25th, 2018 and July 19th, 2019. Crazy. Which is absolutely crazy. But if managers are going to complain about fixture congestion, it's up to them to rotate the teams mm-hmm. and give their players yeah. rests. Yeah. But the, the amount of medical stuff you've got as well to like monitor the players and help them recover and stuff, I don't think... If there was a genuine threat of them getting like injured and and what have you, then they would they wouldn't be played. But because they know everything about them and what what they're doing in the recovery time and how the how the how long they're playing and how much it affects their bodies and stuff, mm. the amount of money in the game is like is just sort of it, it allows them to play all them all them games without a sort of burnout. They might play at ninety percent, they might play eighty percent, but they're still gonna play. And if you if you say, oh, you have to rotate your team, you can only play him in twenty five of your thirty eight games a season for fear of burnout or whatever whatever the cap is. One, it's really hard to implement it because 
who who says that 25 games isn't going to sort of burn you out as much mm. there's no real I don't know it just seems very wishy-washy like also you'd get you'd get teams as well like oh why are you playing your your sort of rotated team against the bottom of the league isn't that showing them respect and what have you there's loads of oh like Shrewsbury Town in the FA yeah. Cup midweek replay <laughs> yeah there's no, loads of issues to, that would come with this if, if it was in, implemented. I suppose if you put a cap on the amount of games a player can play in a squad, you have to increase the squad size so it would go up from 25 to, to 30, to 30 yeah. which yeah. is going to have an impact on other leagues or other teams yeah, and because it'd be, it would take the good yeah. players away from the championship and vice versa. Yeah, play. you'd be farming yeah. players and holding them and they'd be unhappy because they're not playing and then when they, it's, it's, when they get in the yeah. team they're getting taken out because they've mm. played 10 games in 30 yeah. days or whatever so that's nah. why I'm saying you know I, I'm not opposed to it I just probably need a bit more, more it needs a bit more meat on the bones I think with it and how it could potentially work and I think that it is a problem you know certainly in this country like Marley says there's a third cup competition which you know the European leagues don't have and that's what we've got to address, really, I think. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. In the podcast that Steve finally admitted that the title had been sewn up it's by done. Liverpool. It's done. It's, it's dusted. Done. But we will still be back tomorrow with another podcast. You can click subscribe now. However you listen to podcasts, make sure you get the next episode as soon as it's ready. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.